Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. I'm excited. I watch all of the cooking shows. Top Chef, the, the uh, Master Chef, uh, even the one with Gordon Ramsay's calling everyone cows and stuff. I, I like that as well. Uh, I heard this season I should be tuning in because there's a black chef that is cooking his ass off, so I want to tune in. And this man can also uh, resurrect a great meal. His name literally is Lazarus. Let me welcome two-time Food Network chop champion and author of Son of a Southern Chef, Cook with your soul. Cook with soul. The one and only Lazarus Lynch. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. An honor to be here. Ah, it's good to see you. Tanya Pinkins is here, of course. Uh, she wanted to know if you were raised from the dead during the break. That's a very easy. I'm sure you've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I was resurrected. I did. Yes, I got up. Um, you know, born in New York City. Uh, my mother from Guyana. My dad from Alabama. And um, here, I, here I am, one of four brothers and sisters, big family, um, and I got up. I got up. A lot of people ask me if, that's, if Lazarus is my real name, and I always, I always think it's, it's funny, but it is my real name. And my last name, Lynch, which I got from my, my dad's side, um, sort of means the opposite of resurrection. Exactly. But we, right. But we resurrected and we, we died to some other things and then we came back to life in some other ways. So it and, makes and sense. And out of Alabama too. Woo. Come on. Right. Carrying a lot. You Come carrying on. a lot. Yes. Yeah. That sermon. So your yeah. daddy was a chef. My dad was a chef. You know, he was just a handyman. He could do all things. And I think, you know, people from the South, men from the South, especially were sort of expected to do everything. But my dad was a, he just was a, a man of all trades and he always cooked. He learned how to cook from watching his grand, his mother and his grandmother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, and just saw how they would toss the okra and the flour and the cornmeal mm. and throw it in the hot grease. And um, he watched her make macaroni and cheese and clean people's homes and help the white people get their babies ready for school. And my dad just sort of absorbed that in Alabama. Many, many years later, after running different businesses, he ran a 99 cent store, he ran a carpet business, um, he had a, a moving service company, he decided he was going to open a soul food restaurant which I thought was kind of funny because, you know, I thought everybody could cook soul food and that's not true. But my father opened up the restaurant when I was about 12 years old. And that was the first time that he had, he had cooked professionally. And I said, I want to do that. I want to be a chef. What meal did you still with us? Oh, he's not with us anymore. He's with us in the spirit. Okay. Yeah, but he uh, he moved on. He transitioned in 2015, mm -hmm. in January of 2015, uh, two days after my sister's 21st birthday, um, he transitioned. But he gave me the gift of soul food. He gave me the gift of family and community. And that's what made me write the book was because I felt I had absorbed all these lessons through my dad, through watching him and, um, and decided to write a book about it. And let's say his name, Johnny Ray Lynch. Let's say his yes. name. So you you landed on this show, uh, Chopped, where they for those of you who are uninformed about what Chopped is, you'll have four chefs. Right. And they're competing for a prize. Your your particular prize was fifty thousand um, dollars that went to a charity. We'll talk about that in a minute. But so you get this basket in the basket could be like a pig snout, some blueberries, uh -huh. uh, some some uh, pop rocks. And, right. uh, you know, some ghee. And then it'll be like, make an entree with this, right? 
So what was in your first basket? So you have the entree round, you have the appetizer round, the entree round, the dessert round. Uh, so it goes from four to three to two, the last two compete on the dessert round. You made it through all of that. I want to know what you made for a dessert. But before we get that, what was in that first basket? Do you remember? Oh, God, that first, you know, that first basket, I, I honestly don't remember. Why didn't nobody tell me I had to know this? Because it's a, it's a show I would expect you won. You won twice. So tell me what was but, in any basket that you were like, oh, okay. what am I going to do with this? Well, I remember getting the bitter melon, which my mother's guy needs. So I've seen bitter melon before. I'd never prepared bitter melon and I knew what to do with it. But it threw me off a little bit because I thought, well, this is really bitter. You have to treat it properly. And on chop, it could be one little thing that disqualifies you. So you can have three things right going out of four. And if the fourth thing is not right, you can get chopped. So the fourth item for me was that bitter melon. I overcame it. I forgot how I did it, but um, I overcame it. You got to tell us because I love bitter melon. Bitter melon, I get cravings for it. It's a liver detoxifier. Mm -hmm. It's extremely bitter. A lot of Asian food. So how did you know how to prepare that? Because that is really the Asian world that they use the bitter melon how did you do it what did you what do you do with bitter melon right now yeah so what i would do is i would salt it right now i would chop it and salt it so salt what it does is it brings out the moisture in foods but what it also does is helps to neutralize that bitter flavor um, in the bitter melon then what you could do is you can stir fry it in a little bit of oil if you want if you don't want to do that you can juice it a lot of people make teas out of it um, and it's really good, as you said, for liver detoxification, makes your skin look beautiful, makes you glow. Um, you can put it in a salad. You can use it, make it in a dressing. So there are different things that you could do with bitter melon. But on that day, I was just thinking about, you know, how the hell do I make it through 30 minutes, get this bitter melon on every plate and, um, you know, make it taste appetizing, make it taste like something. Was that the uh, dessert, dessert round that you got it in or was it? Oh, in one God, of no, the I think that was the entree round. I think that was the okay. entree round. You know, they put right. things in there like lobster tails and, um, you know, they put, um, uh, some, you know, different types of fruit, like jackfruit in there. So there were there were different things that I knew how to approach the ingredient. Um, but what's interesting about Chop 2 is that you're cooking for people you've never cooked for, you know, cooked for before. And so there are different preferences and sensitivities. Some people don't like spice. Some people don't like red onion. Some people don't like raw onion. So you have to sort of, Forget about all of that and just do what you do. Just cook. Cook good food. Cook good um, food. Yeah, there was uh, the documentary this uh, during this pandemic that, you know, there were two actually that made me just, you know, ugh. one was uh, in our mother's garden and the other one mm, was yeah. on the hog. Right. So these yes. two documentaries to me, that's if you're going to do a documentary, use those two as the model for what to do. And I hear there's going to be a high on a hog season two, which I'm really happy about um, watching the high on a hog in particular as a chef. Talk, talk to me a little bit, um, Chef Lazarus, about the importance of seeing something like that for the masses. Well, I think particularly seeing black people on screen in any capacity in any context is always something to be noted and something to you know stop and, and notice but particularly in the black chef community what we've seen over the years is how our black chef creators are the really the curators the the custodians of much of what we know to be food much of what we know to be good food yet we're not given the proper credit and so even in culinary school, I was trained by white people, white men and women who were teaching me French cuisine, Italian cuisine, but didn't know anything about, you know, Ghanan 
food or a Guyanese food or Caribbean food or very, very little of that. And so what we're seeing now is a celebration of many different cultures of black and brown people and our food. And what we're also seeing is that these chefs who have been here for the beginning, like Edna Lewis, uh, people more modern like Dr. Jessica B. Harris, uh, who's the author of High on the Hog, uh, what we're seeing is this resurgence and this acknowledgement that Black chefs have always been here, we've been part of the food story, and that we can't be erased. And so that's one of the beautiful things that we're seeing in this time. Um, and I'm excited to be part of that. Mm. 866-801-8255. And now you're doing some uh, amazing things because, you know, we're, we're here to serve, actually. This life is to learn and serve. Learn as much as you can and then pass it along to the other people so that we can keep society going and keep elevating. We seem to have forgotten that, which is why we ended up in this devolve, devolving space that we're in right now. Uh, where we're going backwards because we forgot that we've got to learn and teach and grow. Um, but you're doing something with 4-H, and I was asking you, Lazarus, uh, you know, how, do, how does one do that during a pandemic? Yes. Wow. Well, 4-H, let me go back to uh, how I started, how I learned about 4-H. I was in high school. I was minding my business, and I went to a cooking high school called Food and Finance in Manhattan, New York. And Wait, time out. There's a cooking high school in New York? Yes, ma'am. Food and finance. Um, why am I just this old learning about yeah. this? Okay. Oh, you got to get a that? tour. We have to arrange. And you too, Miss. Pick, Miss Where Pink. is it? Where it's is on, it? It's in Midtown. It's right on 50th Street between 10th and 11th Avenue. It's right there, right in the heart. That's in Hell's anyway, Kitchen. Yeah, that's that's like kitchen. in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. So I get on the subway, get on the bus, you know, get from Jamaica, Queens, where I grew up and got on that subway, got to high school. And one day someone said, hey, you want to join 4-H? And I was like, I don't know what that is. And I learned very, very quickly that 4-H was about a lot of young people doing amazing things. And if I wasn't about that life, I needed to leave the room. So it was like caught by fire, you know, just the excitement around what youth could do in their communities, in the, in the areas that they live in to create change. And so for me, like one of my first 4-H projects was going into Brooklyn and painting some sidewalks you know, sidewalk walls, which might sound like nothing to some people, but when you see the deterioration over years and, and from dust and debris and you paint a wall, it just really adds vibrancy to neighborhoods and communities. So that was one of the earliest 4-H projects that I had. Cut to years later, um, joining the 4-H National Board and, and, and now during the pandemic of 20, well, 2020's pandemic, 4-H called upon me because they knew that I was an active chef and I was doing, I'm still involved in 4-H and asked me to be part of what's known as the 4-H Healthy Habits Program, which is a partnership with the Walmart Foundation. And what this program does is that it looks to serve underserved communities, um, kids who are from underserved and rural communities, providing them with tools and access to nutrition and health education. So for me, that was really in my wheelhouse. I knew exactly what that meant. I knew exactly what to do. I said, look, my family, we love collard greens, cornbread, and fried chicken. Okay, how do we, during a pandemic, cut back on some of the fat, but still keep the flavor, still keep the culture. How do we make this something that's relevant? And so I just went into my wheelhouse. I said, okay, let's do a coleslaw. Let's take out the mayonnaise. Let's use some lime and some vinegar to create a nice little vinaigrette. And, and let's make this a little leaner. And so what the program did and what I was able to do through the program was sort of 
relate to the students from where they come from. These kids are from Cuba. These kids are from Latin America. These kids are from all different parts of the uh, diaspora, of the African diasporas. And so what I was able to do is say, where do you come from? What do y'all like to eat? All right, how can we budget so that you're, you're cooking wiser, you're spending wiser at the grocery store? How do you think about growing food in your own garden? Maybe it's growing tomatoes or herbs. How do we incorporate herbs in food to replace salt and replace different kinds of fat? So it was a really amazing process project. Um, one of the students from 4-H, uh, he's a 4-H, Tennessee 4-H'er, uh, Youssef. I was able to cook with him on camera. We did a video together. And what you see is that when you give young people, I don't like to say kids, but when you give young people, well, we say the kids, uh, tools to go to get ahead, they take them and run with it. They, they really do. It's very empowering. And that's what 4-H does. That's now, so I know there's been this, so, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. There's been a program um, that I know, I think it came to the Bronx where there have been chefs who've been volunteering to come up, take the budget that is given to a city school and cook real meals in schools. Have you had any involvement with that? Absolutely. I mean, from City Meals on Wheels to, uh, oh, there's all kinds of programs I've done um, in the Upper West Side. I've done, you know, Taste of the Upper West Side and then all different types of school programs. I have a friend who works in one of the schools in the Bronx before the pandemic. He would invite me to come in and they had a whole, you know, herb garden and, and hydroponics and aquaponics lab that, you know, he would invite me to come in and do workshops with the students. I love programs like that. And unfortunately, though, the programs end, you know, when the students leave the school. So what 4-H is looking to do is how do we continue this education beyond the school day? How do we make this so that it's part of people's lifestyles, right? It's not just something that we get in schools. And then with the pandemic, students weren't able to get to the school buildings. Um, and so, and they weren't able to touch things and they weren't able to interact with the food the same way. So it really had to become, you know, something that they do at home. And like I grew up, my mother always said, you know, it begins at home. Mm. Yeah. Lazarus is his name. Lazarus Lynch, chef. Uh, you can follow him at son of a Southern sea because, you know, Twitter doesn't have enough characters to spell out chef, son <laughs> of a Southern sea, but it's the book son of a Southern chef that you can all get. We'll tweet that out too at SXM urban view. Um, your, your favorite thing to cook. And then the thing that you're most noted for, like when people like they want this meal, when you're around Lazarus, can you cook? What is the thing that people ask for? My favorite meal to cook is anything. I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but I love to cook anything. I can, I cook anything. I chitlins? Cook every you like to cook chitlins? Well, now, well, now, well, now, See? Cameron, now, well, now. I'm going to leave that to my uh, my grandmother and my Aunt Janice. They they do the chitlins. But I could do chitlins. I mean, I could do it. I've thought about it, too. I'm like, I would pickle it. I would do a broth. You know, a pickling I, with a chitlins? Broth. A broth? Yes. Pickling and no. yes, I do a broth, a nice broth, a nice brodo broth. Anyway, um, my my family loves, it's it's a dish called asabuco, which is really just like brown stew chicken. But Italians call it asabuco. Um, they really love that, and they always ask me to make that. But I'm known for dessert. A lot of people don't know that about me. I, I can I can tear down a mean peach cobbler, a cherry <gasps> pie, a cobbler, a cake, a brownie. I don't use recipes. I don't measure. I just I know what to do. What's the secret to that center crust in the cobbler? Because it's all about the center crust in the cobbler. Well, the the crust for me is a splash of alcohol. 
in the crust. What kind? Rum? What like, are you using? Bourbon? Like a white, you know, like like vodka or um, oh. you know, a little splash of sake or um, even some white wine or vinegar or lemon juice if you don't have it. Vinegar. I know. In my, I know. In my peach cup. And in the crust, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you don't, not a whole I like cup. sour cream on my peach cobbler and people think that's weird, but. I right, but it's the, it's the acidity that kind of balances out with that sweetness. Mm -hmm. So you get it. That's exactly what the vinegar is doing. It's really acting more as a, as a chemical reaction in the crust to make it flakier and make it a, a little bit more balanced. But that's, that's the secret. I want okay. some of your peach cobbler. Oh yes, it's we can arrange that. <laughs> During during the pandemic, did you discover any new recipes? Because your cookbook is fire. Did you did wow. you, you experiment? Because uh, you know you have a lot of time. Well, it's funny because you know everyone started cooking during the pandemic, and actually, because I was home, I let my mother cook. I let everybody else cook, but then the Today Show would call me, or someone would call me and be like, "Hey, last, can you come on, you know, to the show and do something?" So what I started doing was thinking about what I have already in my house. I have frozen peaches. I have frozen mangoes. I was like, okay, we can make an ice cream. All I need is a blender or a food processor, use some cocoa leche, you know, turn it into a really qu quick ice cream dessert, you know, something easy. So I was experimenting with things like that. But, um, you know, I kind of did take a back seat. I, it was also a, a, a time for me to recharge and slow down. Um, and so as much as I've, you know, kept doing and kept cooking and kept writing, I was writing a lot of essays. I was very vocal about the Black Lives Matter and what was going on in the country. I was very, you know, vocal about those things. But I took a backseat in the in the culinary way. I mean, I was I was really allowing myself to be fed and nourished by my family. Okay. Finally, the fifty thousand dollars that you won. Um, mm. where did it go? It went to four H. And it wasn't hard to make that decision. Um, when I think about what 4-H did for me, I mean, it really gave, you know, a young black man from Jamaica, Queens, hope, um, an opportunity to see myself beyond my circumstance, beyond my community, but also taught me that just because I can evolve and do well and be successful doesn't mean that I have to forget where I came from or forget the people that helped me get there. So 4-H was definitely that organization that helped me to look back and give back um, and has given so much to me. So it was a no brainer. You are a delight. Uh, and I'm looking forward to all of the things you're going to be doing next. And we're going to keep Thank an you. eye out for you. Son of a Southern chef. That's right. That's the book. And his name is yeah. Lazarus. Don't forget that. That's easy. Lazarus. Lynch. And I got an album coming out, Karen. What, what uh, kind of album? Uh -oh. What kind of album? I got, a, I got a singing album. Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> all right. Get, now I need, I need just you know, just a little taste of what we're going to experience. That's right. That's right. Get the vocal cords warmed yeah. up. Okay, okay. We're sitting with Miss, Miss Tanya here. I mean, you know, come on, but come um, on. what God has for me, it is for me. What God has for me, it's for me. I know without a doubt that he will bring me out what god has for me it is for me yeah yes okay oh that's my prayer right, that's my prayer oh yes that's, that's my prayer to just what's the name of the album prayer. is it available for download now it's, it's coming we... out it's coming out next month but it's called sanctuary 
Mm. So it's gospel or it's it's spiritual. It's, it's a little bit it's it's spiritual. Yeah. You know, it's got that influence of church because I grew up in church and it's got influence of R and B and you know jazz and different musics that I grew up hearing. Um sing a songwriter. Songs. Yes. Sing songwriter. You know what I yep. love about us? That there are no limits. Man can no, cook, no, of no, course no. he could do that. Uh, he's got business skills, of course, and he can sing, you know. There are no limits except for what we put on ourselves or what we allow people to tell us about ourselves that we believe. I love That's you. Right. I appreciate oh, you being here. You. Oh, thank you, Chef, Chef Lazarus Ashe. You are amazing. Uh, we're going to check out Sanctuary. <laughs> okay. All right, y'all got to deal with that, Lazarus. That's leave the your information. Says, Tanya. I'm serious. No, put your information in the chat. Put your information in the chat so she can get her peach cobbler. And right. if you freeze it, I, w- I wouldn't mind a piece myself. I'm just. I will ship it to you. <laughs> Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.